Hello and welcome to Turtle Tracks Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Van Hooker, and we're here today with the one and only Rob Paulson. Hey, pal. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Dude, I'm breathing and I'm not in jail, but the day's not over yet. So far, so good. <laughs> it's early yet. Plenty of, time, plenty of time to screw it up here in the sewer. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I wanted to basically start from the beginning. Um, how did you uh, get, into, get into acting? Uh... Well, I got into acting as a result of my initial desire to sing. I was a singer before I became an actor. <clears throat> when I was very young, um, my siblings and I were fortunate enough to be reared by a set of parents who really loved music and uh, exposed us to all kinds of music. And um, I, to this day, probably love singing more than anything uh, in terms of performing. Um, and the natural progression was to go into... Uh, stage work, and I did, um, and uh, then when I moved to L.A. 40 years ago this month, um, it was uh, uh, ostensibly to do live action, like most of us in those days. Um, there were certainly cartoons, but they were not nearly as ubiquitous as they are now, and there wasn't nearly as much opportunity. So I came here to do TV and movie stuff on camera, and I was. Um, um, but one one thing you find out pretty quickly is that there are a million average-looking kids from Michigan who are in their 20s. And, and so when the opportunity came to audition for shows with my voice, cartoons and stuff, um, it doesn't take you long to think, well, this is the great gig because no one cares what I look like. Hmm. And, um, and so that was that was great. But I, I started performing um, just because it made my soul happy when I was, I don't know, 12 or 13. It never was something in which I uh, conspired to make a dime until I was probably in my twenties. Okay. You know the the singing. It's funny. Like I, I you know, I kind of jump around a little bit, but like it's kind of come full circle now because you're touring the country as you know for Animaniacs Live. How about that? And thank you for coming to see us. I, I really appreciate you lowering your entertainment standards for a couple <laughs> hours. Um, yeah, man. Talk about a an incredible gig. You're right. I have kind of come full circle because I get to sing a lot in this thing. Animaniacs is a show in which incredible opportunities to sing. Um, most of the songs that everyone knows were written by my partner, Randy Rogel, and others too. Paul Rugg, Tom Ruger, John McCann, they all wrote great songs, but the ones that most people relate to um, were written by Randy. And so we, we have this great deal with Warner Brothers licensing by which we're able to take the music of Animaniacs around the country and do it like we did at Joe's Pub a week ago at this time, uh, with just Randy and me and a piano, and a video screen in which to show some commercial, uh, cartoons, or with a big orchestra, which is also a really bitchin' way, but the, the, the intimate gig that you saw at Joe's Pub, I think, is a little more fun for us, mm. um, because you get to hang out with the audience and mess with them and see people who wear their Animaniacs t-shirts and bounce off the wall. It's just... A remarkably wonderful evening, and the only people who enjoy it, I think, more than the audience are Randy and me. Um, but yeah, it's just as I mentioned earlier, the fact that no one cared what I looked like when I was younger. Now I'm way, way, way older, and they still don't care what I look like. I just got done doing five more years as Donatello on the latest iteration of Ninja Turtles, mm -hmm. and I was almost a victim of my own ageism when they called me to read for it, because I just couldn't believe that they would be interested in me doing it again, auditioning when I was in my 50s. And it occurred to me, or rather, it, occurred, it never occurred to them that, that was an issue. Uh, being a, an actor who is 
not recognized walking down the street, <clears throat> it was lost on me for a while that the people like you who grew up watching Turtles and are now in positions of power in Hollywood uh, are, are at an age where they can do this stuff. And they wanted me and my friends to come and see if we were, wanted to play. And I'll be damned, I got the job. And, and it never made one bit of difference, most especially to the fans. Didn't bother them at all. And many of them knew that I was Raphael in the original incarnation. Didn't bother them one lick that I was Donatello. So, yeah, it really has come full circle. And I'm as busy now as I've ever been. And, I, and I'm having a blast. Honestly, I, bothered is quite the opposite word. I mean, for me, like... I, I remember when that cartoon came out because it was you know the turtles had been dormant for a little while Nickelodeon yeah. had bought them and you know we were getting these details of this new cartoon and you know some people I I, I like traditional animation but I kind of grew to love the 3D thing but I was like I heard they casted you and I was beyond thrilled and to the point where I'm still a little bit six years later like man that's the coolest casting for that part ever it was well, fantastic. Very kind of you, and um, I have to say, in retrospect, I think they were smart in casting me for obvious reasons. I, I'm glad I got the job, but in terms of uh, being objective, it it turned out to be a, a smart move because it was this really cool connection to the original show. Oh yeah, for for people your age, mm -hmm. and so it turned out to be a really smart uh, PR slash marketing idea. Uh, the show was excellent. Oh, yeah. Um, Ciro Nielli and uh, Brandon Ulm and Peter Hastings, uh, oh, my God, they utterly got the mythology and the ethos. You could make the argument, in fact, Kevin Eastman has made the argument that there was probably not a more deeply understood incarnation of Ninja Turtles oh, yeah. than the most recent one because the people making it were are... are are you? Yeah. You know, they, they grew up totally understanding all the mythology and and they put that love and, and understanding into it. And it's freaking cool. So from a personal perspective, I was thrilled to get five years. But marketing wise and, and seeing how it played out, it was a smart move. Um, and um, I think you probably saw. I know you're in New York, but a couple of years ago, they uh, we aired an episode that was that Transdimensional Turtles in which oh, yeah. the, the the four of us, uh, Townsend, Barry, Cam, and myself, met the most recent Turtles, Seth, myself, Sean, and Greg. Yeah. And when the when it was like two or three thousand people at New York Comic Con, and dude, when the lights came up, there were a lot of people with tears in their eyes. It was this remarkable, um, crazy connection to their childhood, and it was profound. It was pretty bitchin'. I mean, the amount of respect paid to the class, like, and it was built a lot, it wasn't just the, the classic cartoon, but the old comics, the movies. Yeah. I mean, they hired Robbie Riss to be um, Mondo Gecko and all these other cool casting choices. It was great. great. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, it like, cool. it was so much cool, like, building on the history. It was great. Yeah, they, they uh, specifically used uh, comic book references, mm -hmm. old school turtle references, uh, new references, uh, I think feature references. It was really, they're so smart. Yeah. And that was one of the overarching um, 
memories that I will have of that whole experience from the very beginning. I just remember thinking, holy shit, this is, this is really smart. And everyone, without exception, who worked on the production side uh, is a turtle freak. Yeah. And uh, in the most wonderful sense of the of the phrase, man, and they they put an incredible amount of love into it. It was a it was a huge experience, a wonderful experience to be part of. Well, I gotta tell you, I mean, like, and for me, I mean, I'm, I became a parent three years ago, and like, it got the chance to like have this turtle mania everywhere, like. And I have a little girl, and I was thrilled to have like girl turtle shirts I could find in Target and things like that. Like, and it was everywhere. All I mean, you know, that show, and I kind of waited a little too long to wean off of it, but it was far too violent for my two-year-old. <laughs> but, it, <laughs> but it was, but it was, but it was, but I actually started showing her the classic cartoon more than that because it's well, much less yeah, violent. And, and what's really interesting, and you're right, a lot of it was pretty intense, and and that's that's not even a criticism. It's just the truth. No, yeah, it's just mature. Uh, yeah, it was, and it appealed to a lot of folks your age precisely for that reason, because the original comics, I mean, Raphael was an assassin. Oh, yeah. The original comic book. Um, but they, they were very smart mm-hmm. to make April, uh, played by the beautiful Mae Whitman, um, they were really smart to make April a contemporary and a peer with whom Donnie had this forbidden romance. Yeah. And then ultimately, Josh Peck, who played... Uh, uh, Casey and Donnie and April all had this love triangle, and it really drew a lot of uh, girls into the mix. Oh. And that is not to say that girls can't dig action adventure, but there was to be sure a romantic aspect of the show that appealed to a female, younger female audience so much so that they would refer to April and Donnie and their romance as Apritello. You know, they right. they uh, uh, would. Uh, um, couch it in, in the parlance of the day, yeah. like Brangelina, yeah. you know, that type of thing. And that was very smart. I don't know that it was a marketing decision. I think it was a story decision to include April as a peer. Yeah. And it turned out to be this really wonderful, lovely romantic aspect that was this sort of contrapuntal aspect to the action and adventure. It was really smart. And there are a lot of people and a lot of art online, a lot of... Uh, you know, DeviantArt.com, where they, they, they do April Tello and Donnie and, and, and April and the romantic stuff. It's fantastic. It's oh, great. yeah. And, I mean, April wasn't the damsel in distress. She was... No, she was badass. Yeah, yeah. They did a really good job of, like, having that yeah. positive... Because my daughter's crazy about April, so, like... Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was... And, and Mae Whitman, mm-hmm. who in real life is badass, man. She's not only a wonderful actress, but she's a tough chick, and they, and they like that aspect of it it was about girl power and i love that you can show aspects of a girl that enable her to be her own tough um defensible self um but also have the the uh uh, the ability to be um uh what's the word i'm looking for to be um vulnerable mm. and romantic and available to that aspect of her personality that's really important well they were really i mean like that's the thing i, I liked about the show and i mean like it's you know it's too violent for a two-year-old but it is like yeah. it's a really well thought out like smart show and everybody had these like really deep multifaceted characters now i'm a donnie guy i've been a donnie guy my whole life oh, but cool. that michelangelo if i had yeah. grown up with this cartoon that michelangelo is so funny like i i may have ended up being a mikey guy 
Well, and and I understand why. Greg Sykes is just uh, he's just a fine young man. He's a good man, and and I don't know that there's ever been a more beautifully, specifically, perfectly cast role in any cartoon. Yeah. Than Greg Sykes, he is that guy, and I mean, he is a he has this incredible joie de vie. He's he's uh, got this California laid back surfer. Venice Beach holistic <laughs> vibe, and and he's not just a party guy. He's a very deep individual, but his his countenance is is exactly like Michelangelo. And I I would think if you talk to Ciro, there was never a doubt because he knows Greg. Okay. And uh, there was never a doubt that Greg was going to be Mikey. And it's it's the he's the best. Uh, pardon me. Um, he's the best. Actor choice, uh, no no brainer role for for all of us without question. I, I, I look, we're good at our jobs. I'm good at my job. Sean, Seth, and and uh, Jason was Leo for a while in the beginning. We're all good, but uh, Mikey is is the most organic choice and just killed it from day one. Well, and I mean, like in addition to your presence, I mean, like Mikey was this cool gateway to the classic fandom because they had this personality that was perfect for coming up with these horrible names like yeah. like because they're really almost all the villain names nobody would name themselves scumbug or some other yeah. nonsense like so he had this perfect device in this character who can bring in all this nostalgia but in a natural yeah. way it was great no he he is he is great uh and, and again i gotta go back to Ciro and brandon and peter the whole the whole gang who put it all together they uh they know what they're doing Viacom slash Nickelodeon was really smart in hiring them. I mean, Pete Ciro Neely, for God's sake, his, his parents are from Sicily. Yeah. He grew up in Philadelphia. His father owned a pizza parlor when Ciro was growing up. And Ciro used to draw the turtles on pizza boxes in his father's pizza place. Are you freaking kidding? Yeah. It's nobody better for the job. And, and he, he absolutely delivered. Great. Oh yeah, I mean, honestly, front to back too. Like, I really love the ending of the show. It was so offbeat and different, but I love that. Right? Oh my God, this sort of post-apocalyptic uh, um, Mad Max. Yeah. Raphael's got a beard. Oh my God, I remember watching it at a screening, and I was sitting next to Sean, and and uh, we were kind of in tears, looking at it, going, "This is so." What an homage and what an incredible tribute to this franchise. Um, and certainly we're sad to see it go, but boy, did they they really pull out all the stops. And most importantly, they didn't condescend to the audience. They mm -hmm. they knew that the audience would not only get it, but they were they were uh, trusting Ciro, Ciro and his pals to you know to come up with a way to to finish it off in a in a really big fashion. What I like too is though it's like. It's this crazy post-apocalyptic thing. We don't really know what's going on. Donnie's a robot now. But yeah. at its core, all the story is is the four brothers finding each other. Totally. And that, that I'm so glad you brought that up. Because it really is that simple and, and that beautiful. It's um, the, the story has always been about that. Whether it's a little wackier, whether it's more about selling action figures, you know, whatever. Um, look, I'm a capitalist, and it's... it's um, I've been rich and I've been poor and rich is way better. But if you have a circumstance in which you have a deeply loved franchise like Turtles and 
you have a version that ticks all the boxes. It, it makes people laugh, it makes them cry, it doesn't condescend, mm -mm. it brings a new audience in, it sells product, it makes people want to buy the product, it doesn't, co it doesn't uh, compromise itself just to sell product. Um, in fact, our latest iteration of the show got better. It was better and oh, better. Yeah. It didn't go the other way, going, all right, well, we're going to fulfill the contract and introduce more characters to sell more action figures. Every review we get from IGN or where, you know, where every review was pretty much four or five stars. Uh, and I think at the end, if you compile all reviews that were done about that version of the show, it was probably in the 80, 85%, mm. you know, thumbs up bracket. And it sold a lot of product. That isn't always the case. It's yeah. usually one or the other. Um, and so, yeah, it was about the brothers finding each other. And it, it, it still is about that. So, I, I mean, I honestly, I, I really don't know how much better it could have it could have been, you know? Yeah, and people, I think, you know, people are like, oh, no, it's ending. And I was... I it's weird. Like, I was sad it was ending, but I also, I look forward to my favorite show's ending, especially when it's on their terms, so that way it doesn't get old. Like, yeah. in, very few cartoons get past three years, even successful ones. Right. Yeah. And there was, I'm pretty sure, I don't know 100%, but I'm pretty sure it was about, we're going to do five seasons. That's it. Oh. Um, because the goal was to, to go out on top. The goal was to leave the audience wanting more. I'm an audience member, and from a practical aspect, I didn't want it to end. It's a job. It was a great <laughs> job, a fun job. These are hard to come by. You know, I've been doing this a long time, and the, the, the gig is is a blast. Getting the gig is the hard part. Yeah. Um, so I didn't want it to end in that respect, but as an audience member, I completely understand. That's why uh, Mary Tyler Moore ended. That's why, um, you know, MASH wanted to go out before it started cannibalizing itself story-wise. And, and, I, and, and I get why people do that. It is very unusual, Brian, when uh, you have a circumstance in which the creators and people in control have, A, the, the ability, and B, the, the, the smarts to say, all right, it might cost us a few bucks in action figures, but it's time to stop now. Yeah. And it's time for another one. We know people are going to be pissed off. We know people are going to say, oh, my God, no, I hate the new one. It looks terrible. That always happens. Yeah. And, and that's fine. And with the new one that's coming out, which is a back to the 2D version, it's really simple. If people like it, it'll they'll do more. If they don't and they turn off the channel and the action figures tank and the audience doesn't relate to it, it's bye-bye. And it's that simple. Um, and the people in Hollywood who chose to shut down the last one at, at the height of its success, I think, did the right thing. And that's that's something that a lot of folks in Hollywood don't do. Yeah. They'll beat it to death to squeeze every nickel out of it. And to their credit, Nickelodeon's credit, they did not do that. And I'm, I'm really proud of that. Yeah, and I mean, it's a great show. And with Rise, I know we've got, uh, you, you've seen some, like, backlash from the fans, and I'm like, I, you know, I don't know if it'll be... We, we haven't seen enough to know how it'll be, but I mean, like... And, I mean, like, 
people are saying, oh, it's too different. And if you look at the original cartoon, the, the 1988 right. one, how far of a departure was that from what Eastman and Laird did? <laughs> Huge. Exactly. It was, like, yeah. not even close. So, oh, I mean, like... <laughs> hey, but, but see, and, and, I, and I appreciate that. I appreciate you giving a voice and a, and a forum to those of us who understand that. Yeah. Look, I, you know, with all due respect to people who say things like, oh, my God, you just trampled on my childhood and all that. Well, I'm flattered. <laughs> Something that I've worked on has that much uh, 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 an impact in your life. Mm -hmm. But respectfully, if your life is uh, is uh, affected negatively for any more than about 30 seconds by a new version of a cartoon that you don't like, then with all due respect, as we used to say on Animaniacs, there's a, an outfit called the Please, Please, Please Get a Life Foundation. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be rude. Uh, there are so many more important things in life than Ninja Turtles or Animaniacs or Family Guy or The Simpsons or whatever. Um, if you if you find that and, and I'm, I know there are people who joke about it, but seriously, there are people to whom this is really, really deeply effective, uh, deeply affecting. And if that is the case, then as an older person, I would suggest that you find something in your life that, uh, that that you can channel that kind of passion into. You know, volunteer at your church or at the homeless shelter or at the, you know the, the, your vet or you know find a way to to you know send a couple of bucks to your favorite charity because those things are really important. And Ninja Turtles is too, but it's not worth, in my opinion, you, you know. Uh, affecting your life so negatively that you got to write about it all the time. Find something else that's really worthwhile, and 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 go to bat for that purpose, that reason. Oh, yeah. Turtles will succeed or fail based on the numbers of people who watch it or like it. If they do, great. If they don't, that's the way it goes. But you know, respectfully, um, to the to those of you who are watching, who really take this way too seriously. Take a moment to understand that there are people really struggling and could use that kind of passion. Um, and you might even be able to introduce Ninja Turtles to kids at a homeless shelter or kids who are being shuttled around between um, um, foster homes. You know what I mean? Use your love and your joy of turtles to, to be positive with it, not complain about something you haven't even seen yet. If you see it and you don't like it, don't watch it, period. Yeah. That's it. I mean, I know for me, and I, you know, I'm surrounded by thousands of dollars of Turtles merchandise, but, yeah. but I'll say this, like, Viacom doesn't own my childhood. Like, that doesn't change what not. was. So no, of course not. And listen, man, no one is taking 50 or 100 million bucks of anybody else's money and trying to screw it up. Yeah. So when people, you know, say, oh, my God, this is awful. What have they done? I won't watch it. Well, that's fine. But... You know, remember, nobody is trying to make a piece of shit. <laughs> there's a, there's a, and, and if it turns out that you, not you, but collectively, you out there feel that it is a piece of shit, then you have the best way to express yourself. Don't watch it. You can certainly complain online and all of that, but I can guarantee you that Paramount, Viacom, Disney, Warner Brothers, whomever, is not going to, hi Sandra, they're not going to stop making the show 
after investing a lot of time and money into it, because a number of you, having not even seen more than a few frames of it, yeah. have determined you don't like it. Fine. I, I'm really sorry, but it's, they're not going to stop because a handful of you are freaked out. It's the same things with with uh, this um, reboot of Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain that's coming from Hulu. Um, I don't know myself or the other actors will be involved, but it's being produced by Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Don't bet against him. Now, there are going to be people who say, well, if it doesn't have the original creators and the original voice actors, I'm not going to watch it. Well, when the original show was coming along after Tiny Toon Adventures, I remember clearly the people who said, well, if you're not doing more Tiny Toon Adventures, I'm not going to watch whatever this new Animaniacs thing is. Can't win. So if, if, if when it comes out on Hulu, I'm not in it, Maurice isn't in it, or we are, or whatever, whatever permutation is, they will do more or not clearly based on who watches it. Period. End of story. In terms of numbers, that's it. I but they're not gonna, they're not gonna stop because the audience says if Rob's not in it, I'm not watching it. I appreciate that. Yeah. But that's not how Hollywood works, folks. And so I say give it a shot. There have been several, virtually every iteration of Turtles has been successful to some extent. I can argue that the, the original one and the one that just ended have probably been the most successful. Absolutely. But uh, in terms of fan love, merchandising, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they've invested a lot of time and money in this new one that's coming for the fall of this year. And they're not going to shut it down. Because a lot of you have said, I don't like the animation. Great. As, you know, as, as I forgot who said it, but there's no such thing as bad publicity. If it comes out and it goes for a season and it tanks by and large, they won't do another one. That's it. I think the downside, though, is like, you know, if, and I didn't, the, the new Michael Bay pictures that came out recently, I, yeah. I, I, I try to find merit in everything, so I'll always try to grasp onto something I like. Even that sure. terrible, um, next mutation show i liked something in it you know um but if this show fails like the turtles like they they're not making my point is with the michael bay movies they're not making more turtles movies anytime soon because those movies weren't successful and the turtles are blamed not the creators so if this cartoon fails it's not going to be like oh well we should have done it differently it's going to be like oh well people need a break from the turtles we'll see them again in five years well that may well be and i don't know i can tell you that uh Everything that Nickelodeon has done so far, so far vis-a-vis Turtles, has been successful. They, we did our show. There were um, a couple of little kid. Uh, oh, half shell heroes. Yes. My daughter's room is covered with them. Yeah. <laughs> Those were hugely successful. Yeah, they're great. They were they were geared for uh, a young audience. Yeah. Uh, uh, Doc McStuffins' audience. They were huge. Yeah. So. Whether uh, my suspicion is this new version will probably be really successful too, because the Turtles is one of those franchises that it's like McDonald's. Yeah. People, kids grow up and they just love McDonald's, even if you keep your kids away from it. Somehow, it's, I, I, I want that. Yeah. And, and, and Turtles is like that. So uh, now the Michael Bay movies. You know, I, I remember having uh, a discussion at one of my convention appearances in which. Uh, some young man in the audience said, you know, asking, well, sure, what is your opinion about this 
abomination that's about to come out from Michael Bay. And a lot of the audience applauded. And it was there was a trailer that had come out. Uh-huh. You know, I guess people didn't like Michael Bay from some of the Transformers movies. I, I don't know. But I, the guy asked this question. I said, well, I don't really know how to answer that. <laughs> You're, you've decided it's an abomination. This is before the first Michael Bay TMNT movie came out. I said, you're deciding, you determine it's an abomination. Clearly there are people here who agree with you. All I can tell you is that the last time I checked before I came out to this convention, in the last four days, the trailer has gotten 37 million views. I don't know where you come from, but where I come from, that's a successful trailer. Mm-hmm. I know it's free, but people are interested in it. Now, if people spend 20 bucks to see it to determine they don't like it, well, it's still an incredible opening weekend. Yeah. And that movie was very successful financially. They made another one that wasn't so successful. And now they're not making a third one of that version. Right. That's how it works, folks. And um, you can bitch and moan and complain about how evil Michael Bay is. But like I said earlier, nobody's going to give $100 bucks to somebody who doesn't make them money with it. Oh, yeah. And by and large, Michael Bay's movies are financially successful. Yeah. It is show business. You can bitch and moan all day about how much you don't like Michael Bay and his sensibilities about Transformers or Turtles or Humpty Dumpty. But... <laughs> If at the end of uh, a run, different people in Hollywood have given Michael Bay a total of half a billion dollars to make movies, and ultimately his combined movies make a billion dollars, they're going to give him more. Oh, yeah. It's real simple. If you really don't like what he's selling, don't watch it. I will say, and they're not my favorite things, but... He did nail Bebop and Rocksteady in the, in the second movie, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, you know, on Rise, the TMNT, um, how do you like directing? Because it's new to you, oh, right? God, I, I love it. Thank yeah. you for asking. I I never thought I would enjoy it so much, and, and, and I don't know why I thought that. I think it's because I've, I've been a hired gun for so long on the other side of the glass that I just assumed that was the domain of people like Andrea Romano and Gordon Hunt and Sam Regal and... Um, Chris Zimmerman and Jenny McSwain and Sue Blue and uh, I just figured that was kind of not my area of expertise and when Gene Basileros, the head of casting in Nickelodeon a year ago said, would you be interested in directing the new version I didn't even hesitate I think just because it was A, very flattering that they would offer but B, it was a real new uh, brand something brand new for me, and I'm always looking to get better in every facet. I, I, I want. I'm a better actor now than I was five years ago. I, I want to improve my the whole Rob experience. You know, I want to always learn. And man, I'm having a blast. It's really a gas working with all these actors. They're they're so smart. Did you feel like you were on the wrong side of the microphone for a while? Like you're like no 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 I didn't. I I felt I I felt a little. Uh, it wasn't uncomfortable. I just felt like I was out of my element. I mm. had to work. Um, and they were very patient with me. Um, uh, Ant Ward and uh, Andy Suriano, the mm-hmm. new executive producers, 
are so patient and so nice, and they've given me a whole lot of room. Um, and I was, I, I was out of my element. That was it. But I wanted to learn, and and I have. And I think the actors, um, Ben Schwartz and Omar Miller and um, Brandon Michael Smith and uh, uh, um, Josh. Um, oh my gosh, I lost my train of thought. Josh Brenner and Kat Graham uh, and Eric Bazu, who play all the leads, are uh, are very patient with me, and uh, and they've given me their trust. I think that they look and they say, well, you know, if nothing else, we know everything this guy's ever worked on, and so we he clearly knows what he's doing in terms of being a voice actor. So they're very generous with their trust in me, and I'm I'm grateful and I'm having a ball. Very cool. So I, mean, I, I have a few more questions about, uh, especially the newer uh, Cyrenelli's cartoon. When you were developing Donnie, like, how did you go about that? Having played a turtle before, like, what was the, for lack of a better, important sounding word, what was the process like? Well, it was just like every other process. That is, that I, I took information from Ciro and producers, the writers, Brandon, uh, visual cues, and bounced off the wall. But remind you, it was a I had probably three or four callbacks before I got the job, so we, you know, every time I get a callback, we'd start to tweak it a little more, and it was more about, not so much, the, the, the voice um, comes out of the creating the character first, and the sensibilities of the character. Mm. Um, it's not about, you know, the voice isn't that dissimilar to my own, just like Raphael was not 30 years ago. Yeah. My, my job was to create a, a multidimensional, organic character, um, and, and in which the voice fit seamlessly with the animation and it was a believable critter. Um, that's how I did my job. And the same thing with Carl Weezer or Pinky or Yakko or Arthur from The Tick or Throttle from Biker Mice or um, Mark Chang from Fairly Odd Parents or uh, um, Max from Mighty Max, all of the, or the mask from that. It's all about, you know, creating a character in which the, the animation works with the voice and and all of that. If it really works well, you end up with something like Bugs Bunny or, or Bart Simpson or something that hopefully will be a timeless character that is a great amalgam of all the work that's put into it, not just the voice. Oh, yeah. And it, I mean, like it was, like I said, I'm still thrilled that they cast you in that role. As a Donnie guy, from my earliest memories of Turtles, I've always been a Donnie guy. And you getting that role, I was like, I was thrilled by it. So Thank you. Well, me too, buddy. It was a, a huge honor and privilege and listen, if, if a guy who really is into the whole Donatello vibe tells me that he bought it, that's that's the best compliment I could ha- hope for, really. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I'm curious. Um, how how did Donnie and Raph differ to you? Like, like it's hard to describe because they're both not too different from your own voice. But like, what's right. the distinction for you? Like when right. you were doing Transdimensional right. Turtles. Raphael is more of a smartass and kind of a quipster, not unlike myself. I'm kind of a smartass in that regard. I think that's probably why Yakko has been successful, too. But uh, Donatello was um, much more uh, cerebral, just like, you know, Donnie does machines. And um, I think a little more centered, uh, a little more logical. But what was so great is that he was he would get upended emotionally and kind of freaked out by how much he dug April and how that would, oh my God, there's this human female who affects me in ways I don't quite understand. <laughs> and, and that was disconcerting to Donnie. It's, you know, he could totally 
you throw them all sorts of um, algebraic equations and, and black hole and dark matter theories and and um, uh, facts and figures from Copernicus to Einstein to Hubble to Hawking, and that's like falling off a log. But when it comes to romance, it flips him out. And I love that he has that vulnerable quality. Raphael would be a lot more about, hey, how you doing? You know, you're pretty good looking. I'm sorry, did that, did that mark happen on your forehead when you fell out of heaven? I mean, clearly you're an angel. You know, he was a, he was a, uh, he was a player. He was an operator. And uh, more of a badass. And Donnie was a badass in a completely different way. And I, I love that he had that sensibility where that romance was something that was difficult for him to deal with, not, not making a new machine. Yeah, and and he could still kick ass when he needed to, but it was about his um, cerebral vibe, not his uh, slickness. Who did you connect more to of the two? Probably, probably Raph. <laughs> I think without question. I mean, I don't think of myself as a player. Um, I've been married for 140 years, but I I um, I'm definitely more of a smartass, and I look for the joke and uh, the pun. I, I can't resist. Um, I, I always look for the humor in a situation, um, and, and that's not always the most appropriate thing, and I've been taken a task for it, but it's, it's how I'm wired. I, I look for the joke. Yeah, I've gotten in trouble for that a few times myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really inappropriate times. Um, yeah. I guess the last little bits I wanted to ask you about were those crossover episodes, the um, uh, Transdimensional Turtles. Like, what, was it like, what was it like doing the two roles? What was it like uh, bringing everybody back? Yeah. Uh, it was it was wonderful being in the studio again with Townsend and, and Cam and Barry and Renee, who was the beautiful uh, original April O'Neil, and is a beautiful woman in every uh, sense of, of the word uh, in real life. Um, was such a gift to be back with them and to see how Turtles has still a deeply, profoundly wonderful effect on millions and millions and millions of people around the world. Um, we never thought that we'd get that opportunity, but I, in particular, to be able to talk, uh, to act with myself in two iconic roles, uh, I mean, for an actor, it doesn't, I don't know how much better it could have gotten. It's kind of like in Mel Blanc, uh, and I'm not comparing myself to Mel, but in terms of the, the breadth of his career, it's kind of like Mel Blanc having Bugs Bunny come back to to do if he'd still been alive to do space jam mm. you know and and he was not alive but i got to do a character early enough in my career that maintained its iconic status so much though that i got to do it again in the in the final act of my career and i was still able to do it i wasn't it wasn't like they threw me a bone and said well rob's almost dead but let's see if he can pull it off i i can totally do it and and that's just an incredible gift, Brian. Um, I mean, even if I were to die, it would be inconvenient for you because we're doing it right now. Right. Wait 10 minutes. Even <laughs> if I were to punch my ticket at this moment, I mean, uh, what a career. Uh, two turtles, both of which have been successful, Yakko, Pinky, Carl. Um, I mean, I, I'm really remarkably fortunate and... Uh, and moreover, I, I know that. I, I don't even know how to quantify what a gift it was to do that version of Turtles, except to say that when the, when the lights came up on that audience at New York Comic Con, we knew we killed it because there were a lot of 
30-year-old guys particularly who were pretty pretty misty hmm. because it was like, holy shit, I, I, I've had this incredible turtle experience and I, I remember what it was like to be part of it as a kid and now I'm sitting here with my own children experiencing it again. That's a pretty cool thing to be part of, you know? I guess one of the things I want to ask you about that was like when you kind of did rap for the first time in so many years, like did you did you have to like watch an old episode or something, or was it just like an old shoe right back into place? No, it was like an old shoe. It's not. Um, it, it it came back pretty quick. I mean, we 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 rehearsed a bit, obviously, uh, but it wasn't like I had to reimmerse my. I mean, look, <laughs> I'm good at my job, but it's not that it's not that mystical. Um, I'm. Uh, it's a lot of it is about thinking on your feet. I've been doing it a long time. I can call up these things pretty quickly and get in the middle of them. Um, but no, it wasn't this really deep mystical uh, <laughs> thought process. Um, it, it was primarily, it's all about the script. Um, the script and the story and the way they presented it was so smart. Oh yeah. And, and it was done again as a result. It was a labor of love by Cyril and Brandon. They, they just put everything into it. Um, it wasn't about, I mean, they're all, they're going to get paid one, one way or the other and they don't get more for making it better. Yeah. They want to make it better because they're fans, too, and that's their legacy. Well, I mean, the first Transdimensional Turtles was great, but honestly, like, that, the one that they did with Bebop and Rocksteady, too, like, took that and then next-leveled it, too. That was fantastic. Wasn't that great? And oh, Barry, goodness. Barry and uh, Cam got to be uh, Bebop and Rocksteady again. Yeah. And it was freaking ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, to watch it was mind-blowing to be in there in that little intimate studio with you know, eight people. It's just crazy to watch. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, like, that was the biggest treat to the fans that you could ever give, and it was done yeah. more than once. It was done technically three times. It was fantastic. Right. It was, it was because the people making it are are the fans. They are you guys. And as I said, they get their check whether they're good or bad. You know, ultimately they're good, and, and they want to leave their mark on what is the most important franchise uh, uh, to them in their lives. It's a big deal. You know, I got to say, I just have a couple of little questions left. Um, I'm curious, in the last, in the, and this is, you know, going back a little bit, the old cartoon, the final season or so doesn't feature you. Do you remember why that was or why you left it? It was, a, it was um, as they say, uh, due to, uh, it wasn't really artistic differences at the time. Uh, look, I, I'm a voice actor. I'm not, Brad Pitt, you know, nobody cares. I, I don't have script approval. Um, <clears throat> it was uh, a, a, a kind of unfortunate set of circumstances that resulted in me saying, okay, well, then I I can't do this. Mm. Um, I'm not going to go into the particular yeah. details because I don't need to cast aspersions on anyone. Um, it was uncomfortable and inconvenient, and I really didn't feel like I had a choice. I didn't expect the show to stop without me. It was not because I wanted more money. It was not. It was a a circumstance that turned out to be kind of unfortunate, um, and I I didn't feel I had a choice but to say, okay, then I, I just can't do it. Um, there was obviously an actor or two who stepped right in, and it's up to the fans to decide if if those episodes were up to par with the originals that's that's not my call 
Um, They're not, but that's besides. It, it, it didn't. It didn't end anybody's life. It wasn't the end of the world. Life goes on. So if you can take that cue, you folks who were kind of discussing earlier, it, it, even if it ends up being an episode that is not so great or determined by the fandom that these episodes don't, you know, pull the same weight that the others do, life still goes on. And uh, uh, ultimately, I guess I had... Um, I had the last laugh because I got to do it again. I was going to say, you probably at the time didn't think, well, I'm going to be, tur- there's going to be a lot more turtles Never. in my future. <laughs> Never. And I didn't think my future was over. I had had, my God, if my whole life as an actor was predicated on whether or not I finished out every episode of Ninja Turtles <laughs> at 30, whatever, three or four years old, then I was in the wrong freaking business. <laughs> this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. I... I had already moved on to other shows and I'm not going to be, I may be judged by whether in terms of my career, people may judge me when I'm dead and gone in terms of my relevance by the success of Ninja Turtles. And that's up to them. I don't, that's not my job. My job is to get the next job and be really, really, really good at it so that I leave another legacy. I'm, I'm not limited to by, by my participation in Turtles. I'm, I'm grateful and I am uh, happy and thrilled to have been uh, associated with Ninja Turtles once, let alone twice and now three times. I have hit the lottery, and I know it. But I am not about limiting my career just to Ninja Turtles. So, uh, yeah, it was an unfortunate circumstance, but those things happen, and everybody moves on, and, and, uh, and everybody's fine. Well, I mean, like, and, you know, the, the, your impact as Raphael, too, it's, it's like, it only ended up being a handful of episodes, and I, I gotta say this, because I, I have a lot of turtle junk that you can see on the, on the Skype cam behind yeah, you. That's cool. And one of my most prized things is original animation cell signed oh. by Rob Paulson from the original cartoon, which is one wow. of my prized possessions. That's, pro- that's probably worth about 11 bucks on eBay, so oh. good for you. <laughs> it's not worth anything. So much of this stuff is not worth anything. If you're like, oh, you should sell it, like, yeah, I probably wouldn't get back a third of anything I spent on it. <laughs> no, I listen, and you, you, you know, you have it for the best reason. It's the same things that when I get something autographed and collected, it's because it really is important to me. I, I know that there are people who really know what is worth stuff, and and that's fine. I, I like I said, I'm a capitalist, man. I, I dig that. I just don't know how that works. That's not my, that's not my Jones. My Jones is, is performing and making people happy. And if I sign something. And that brings them greater joy. Fine. And if they decide they want to sell it, and that brings them joy, fine. I, it's yours, man. You do whatever you want with it. Well, I remember being at uh, New York Comic Con uh, last year, and like there was lines out the door. I mean, your line was super long anyway, but like there was lines out the door because this is like Last Jedi. So Mark uh, Mark Hamill's there, and there's and everybody's like in the in the in the Luke Skywalker line. And I'm like. I mean, I, I'm a huge Mark Hamill fan, but I'm like, no, I, I, I just need this one. I need my animation cell sign. <laughs> well, that's very kind. And I'm not an autograph guy. I'm really not. Like, No, and Mark Mark is a total, he's way into all that stuff. He's a collector. He's got comic books and lunchboxes and, and uh, video, t- I mean, everything. If you go to his house, it really is just like a museum of pop culture. He's way into it. Oh, cool. He totally, he's a total fan. So honestly, Rob, that kind of wraps things up. Uh, the only thing I wanted to ask you is I couldn't decide 
before um, whether or not I wanted you to say Nar for Cowabunga. So I thought, can I hear Cowabunga as Pinky? Well, I can. I'll do that. I'll do both. I'll okay. Say Cowabunga as Pinky would be. Hey, Dad, Pinky's a little tired today. Hey, Dad, Ryan, Cowabunga. And then Raphael would say Nar, but Pinky can still say Nar, and Raphael can say Cowabunga, Eternal Power. Whatever, but thank you primarily. Thank you very much for your time and your uh, incredible support for this particular franchise. And and thank you all your fans and friends out there for for paying attention to us all these years. It's a an absolute privilege to be part of this. And thank you for your time. I oh, really appreciate. It. Rob, thank you. And uh, I want to say, you know, you've inspired me. And uh, like, you know, your your podcast, you know, kind of brought light to people who. Uh, you know, people don't always know who the voice of a character is. Thank you. And honestly, for me, like, I, you know, interviewing yourself, but like, I've also interviewed like toy makers and people that oh, they yeah. don't know. Like, they know what they've done, but they don't know the people behind them. So that was kind of the inspiration in part two. Thank you. I uh, I'm really grateful to have that, and it's now an on-camera show on Nerdist or mm-hmm. Project Alpha. It's called Talking Tunes, and a damn know. good one. Right. Thank you. It's a T A L K I N apostrophe T O N S. And thank you, Brian. It really is a gas to be able to shine a light on these remarkably gifted people. And and uh, you have given me a, a, you've shined a light on me. So thank you, pal. I appreciate it. Rob, thank you so much. And uh, again, thank you for doing this. My pleasure, man. Take care. Turtle power. Same to you. Well, that wraps up this episode of Turtle Tracks. Thanks again to Rob Paulson and to um, Turtle Flights, the podcast we do this in conjunction with. This has been Brian Van Hooker signing off. Machine. That's a fact, Jack. Raphael is cool, but rude. Give me a break. Michelangelo.